Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence, where every week we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased performance. My name is Patrick Cummings. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've got something a little different this week for folks who have been listening to the show for a while. You will know that we changed the format of the show three, four months ago. One of the things we did was instead of doing dedicated episodes, we used to call them two minute drills, dedicated episodes where we just answered your questions. We folded that into every single episode. So we start every episode with what is effectively or what was effectively our two minute drill. The other thing we did when we changed formats is we just narrowed our focus or we narrowed the focus of our conversations and we stripped away the questions and the conversations that had to do with specifically athletic performance, sport performance, as well as conversations and questions that have to do with business performance or in Ben's case, affiliate performance. We wanted to just focus in on what we felt like most people were responding to and that were those questions around the five factors of health and living a life of better health and increased fulfillment. What happened though was that we lost the ability to have conversations around those other topics. But recently we found a place, we found a home for at least some of those conversations and that home is with Comtrain. Comtrain is a business that Ben started many years ago, dedicated to helping athletes, helping people become more physically dominant and more mentally resilient. And so we started a show with Comtrain on the Comtrain YouTube channel called The 3x3. And that is effectively what the two minute drill used to be, but tailored to those folks out there who might be aiming for greater performance in sport or in the gym. So what we have this week is excerpts from the first six episodes of the CompTrain 3x3 I went through. I selected about eight or nine questions from inside of that show and we jammed them in together here. Okay, last thing to know, the CompTrain 3x3 is Ben, of course, but instead of me, he is joined by Dan DeLamba. Dan is a longtime coach at Comtrain. He's head of programming there at Comtrain. He's a funny dude. I hope you will enjoy it. Here is some excerpts from the new show, The Comtrain 3x3. Again, you can find it on YouTube. I hope you enjoy. Ben and I will be back for another normal episode of Chasing Excellence next week. Our first question is from Joe. What's up, Joe? I'm a master's athlete and have spent many years trying to be competitive in the sport of CrossFit. I've had many competing priorities for most of the years and now in a different place mentally, physically, and spiritually. Hmm. I've told myself that this is the last year to go for it, and if I don't pull up competitive numbers, top 100, or making it to semis, I'm through pushing to be competitive in the sport. Hmm. Is it bad to give myself that kind of ultimatum? Is it bad to put that additional pressure on myself? Or should I choose a different method? Thank you for the question, Joe. Thank you, first Joe. Que- you're the first question we've ever done on the Comp Train 3 by 3 Congratulations, Joe. Ooh, confetti falls. There's so many Joes. They might be like, did I submit that question? Yeah. <laughs> there probably are a lot of... Not your, this is not your average Joe. This is... Oh, my gosh. Right? He's a, he's a Comp That's Train That's why we follow. chose him. Okay. So... Uh, so the question basically boils down to um, setting myself up if I, I need to hit these numbers, mm-hmm. I need to perform in this fashion, or I'm going to step back and try uh, try to put myself in a different position life-wise because mm-hmm. I'm evolving as a mind, body, and spirit. Um, so should I is, – is it healthy to add this level of pressure to this, mm-hmm. this ultimatum? And the answer is Maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> you ever seen multiplicity 
No. Oh, it's a, it's, it's a, that was a reference. All right. So anyway, um, the answer is maybe. And, and the reason for that is pressure can crack a foundation. Pressure can make something completely fall apart. Mm-hmm. But pressure can also make diamonds. Mm-hmm. So it depends. It depends on how you handle this. I, so I, I, I would say it's um, really dependent on the individual whether you want to, whether you feel like this is going to help or hurt you. Mm-hmm. I like it, honestly. I like it in terms of let's do this, let's um, do it. But if it doesn't work out, let's just not continue to berate yeah. ourselves and do something that we don't aren't passionate about mm-hmm. and that we're not going to, that's ultimately going to be a drag, not a benefit to our lives. Here's the one kind of big caveat to that. If you're going to do this, like I'm going to go this year, I'm going to really work hard. If I don't make these numbers, I'm going to step away. Is if you don't make those numbers and you do decide to step away, you have to ahead of time make the promise yourself that that's not a failure. Mm -hmm. You, if you're going to give it your full effort, full commitment, full discipline, and you don't, it doesn't pan out to that highest level. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we move on. That's the one thing that where pressure can actually, you go, oh my God, like I, and that's one of the reasons people don't go full in is because they're afraid of not meeting that standard when they do get everything. Mm-hmm. And there's really no excuse left. As long as you go in knowing, regardless of the way this thing shakes out, I'm going to be okay with this thing, then I think the pressure thing's okay. Yeah. I think we've seen it work in, with athletes that we've worked with, even Putting pressure on is helpful, but also it works if, both ways. It works right? both ways, a hundred percent. So we've had years where we go, "Hey, we're gonna go and we're gonna get these numbers before the games. We're gonna clean and jerk two forty for a female. We're gonna clean and jerk two forty five. We're gonna deadlift three thirty. We're gonna back squat three fifteen, and we're gonna go, we're gonna swim a five hundred in um you know f- under six minutes. We're gonna run a mile. And we give ourselves these metrics mm-hmm. and. For some people, that's really beneficial. I know what the end state is, and I'm gonna, I, I'm, I, I love that pursuit and that path towards that end goal. Other people, it eats them up along the way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I start off with like, it's a, it really is a maybe. Yeah, it could crack or it could build. You gotta know yourself a little bit. You gotta know yourself. Mm-hmm. From Sam, what's the best three to five year approach, or even longer? to attaining advanced elite levels of strength, conditioning, and skill. Is it best achieved through doing five Metcons a week, blocks of strength, gymnastics, Metcons, or some other approach? I feel like there should be some periodization involved since the elites also don't do three to four Metcons per day all year round. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So what's the best approach to develop um, high levels of fitness? And we can can kind of break those down Mm -hmm. into the strength, strength, um, work capacity, fitness, whatever it is, um, conditioning and skills, um, over a three to five or longer period. The, the real answer is you need to start with whatever your weakest link is. And the way you figure that out is relative to the cohorts, meaning relative to the games athletes, where are you in those capacities? And you bring up your weakest link while doing concurrent training. That's a big part of this. Mm -hmm. What we're not saying is, let's say, for example, I'll make it real. I'll just give one number for each category, right? So for strength, um, for guys, you should be able to clean and jerk 335 pounds, mm-hmm. right? You need to be able to do that to be competitive. 
for skills, you should be able to do 20 unbroken ring muscle-ups. Mm-hmm. That's us. We're talking about individual field. Individual, yes, mm-hmm. individual males. Just examples. Yep, examples. Yeah. And for um, running, you should be able to run under a 530 mile. Mm-hmm. Those are... Um, for buy-in numbers, the only those are all kind of like in the ballpark. I might bring their muscle-ups down to like 17 or 18, but that gets you in the, the ballpark. Yeah. So the answer is, what are you the farthest away from? Now, maybe you have an Olympic lifting background, and you can already clean and jerk 330 pounds. Or you're near the 300 number. Mm. And you also did gymnastic stuff as a kid, so maybe you have uh, 14, 15, or 16 muscle-ups but you've never kind of done any like true aerobic work or you just like anytime you do it, it's on a bike or a rower, you hate running and your run time is like 7.30. Mm-hmm. You got to start, you got to start bringing that guy up. But while still doing the other stuff, concurrent training, meaning working all the different aspects, your strength, your skills, and your conditioning at the same time does produce great results. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do what other people are doing, which is let's go do a small off cycle. Let's do this, what he's suggesting, this periodized gymnastics program. Let's do this running program on the side. You don't need to, and you should not do that for our sport. It's shown. These guys are bringing up their numbers across the board Mm -hmm. all at the same time. Now, the caveat to that is if you're not talking about our sport, if you want to deadlift a thousand pounds, if you want to run a four minute mile and you want to be able to do 40 unbroken ring muscle ups in that sense, yes, in there you should back off on all the others because you can't find elite levels of fitness while doing concurrent training, elite levels of those individuals, but elite in our sport can be done while doing this concurrently. And it can be done without doing periodized approach. Elite is kind of relative to our sport. Yeah, yeah, our version of elite, yeah. right? And I'm going to say that part again. It can be done without doing a periodized approach inside of each one. Mm-hmm. If you um, do the right sort of variance and little micro cycles inside, constantly challenging the body appropriately, like we would do in our program, that in and of itself is enough to bring things up the way that they should be. Mm -hmm. And I like the concurrent training as well, because it gives you like progress reports on where you are. Yeah. Rather than Well, what we see is like people that go to the periodized program. Yeah. You might put on 35 pounds onto your back squat, but by the time, by doing a small off program. And yeah. we've, the reason we're saying this is because we've tried it. Yeah. We've tried this with our athletes mm-hmm. where we have put on in a 10 week period, we put on 35 pounds on people's back squats, but they did a small off program. And then when they came back to the concurrent training, they came back to try to bring their conditioning up. The back squat slid back to pretty close to what it was mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do instead is be a little bit more patient and work on the, two, three, four, and 5% improvements across the board at the time. What we're doing is we're trying to raise the tide, raise the whole thing, not create waves. Mm -hmm. Waves are not sustainable, but a rising tide is what we're looking for. The other aspect is, I like how we start off with um, Sam, right? Three to five year approach. Three to five year approach. If there is one that takes longer than the others, it's strength. Strength is built in years. 
Skills is built in months. Conditioning can be built in weeks. Case in point, if you want to be able to deadlift over 500 pounds and you're at 315 right now, you're not going to get there in weeks. You won't get there in months. It's going to take you years to get those elite levels in our sport of that strength. But if you are equally that far off in um, conditioning, you could bring that up in weeks. You can literally, like Lance Armstrong used to do a six, now he's on all this other stuff. Bad example. Anyone else? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But he would do a six-week training cycle, a six-week camp to get ready for the Tour de France. Mm -hmm. So I should just say cyclists. 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 Elite level cyclists do a six-week. It's a week thing. Mm -hmm. That's how you peak your conditioning. And needs to come back down. You can't hold on to it forever. And then skills can take a few months. If you want to learn to walk on your hands, practice that five days a week for a few months, and I promise you it'll come right up. Question two from Kunu. Kunu would love to learn more about how the male to female cardio calories are determined. Was there some kind of science experiment? I work out in a gym where I'm pretty much the only competitive female amongst males, and so there is much debate about this in our gym. Did you know that this is going to be a... Nope, it's now Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. Kelly. Okay, Kelly. Um, yes, there was. Um, so the question is, uh, how do we calibrate uh, the the ratio of male to female calories? Mm-hmm. And it was done. This is it's a really good question. It was done off of um, the strength numbers. So just like we have 95-65 as prescribed barbell weights, Mm -hmm. we have 135-95 as barbell weights, and we have 225-155 as barbell weights, what you see is that is about 70% of the number. And that's based off of world-class athletes at the highest level, and their numbers are about, female to female, it's about 70%. Pretty simple. The true number is 68 um, but they you just round up and you get close enough. It also makes for those really nice numbers. That's like yeah. you slap on twenty five, you slap on forty fives, right? Um, so what's happened is that same conversion of seventy percent has been taken over to the calories. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is on machines for calories that pans out about the same because it's so calories are exponential. So you get more payoff for the bigger and more powerful you are. So that holds about true. So we have the same thing of about, um, you know, 15 reps being, uh, sorry, 15 calories being 12 calories and um, 20 calories being 15 calories. Mm-hmm. The weird one is the 21. Is that 16 or 15, right? Yeah. We'll skip Usually that. just make right. it, yeah, make it look nice. Exactly. Whatever the nice numbers are at that point. But here's where it's the question actually what I think that Kelly probably should have asked is it doesn't work the same way when it's for meters. Mm-hmm. So if you're rowing meters, that 70%, you're going to find that girls are getting off way faster than the guys. And the reason is because you don't have the exponential payoff that comes from the different size and power. It's more of a linear equation. Mm-hmm. If you take world-class rowing times, you'll find that guys to girls in terms of times when it's for meters, 2,000 meters, 
they're actually closer to 90 percent mm-hmm. so that's where so in that case instead of like 500 400 which is the normal scaling the true more appropriate would be 500 to 450 mm-hmm. but that gets weird you lose the elegance so we just keep it as part of the it 500 is like 400 the art of the exactly. number and that's and... where it's part art and science mm-hmm. and that's where the exactly right the art comes into it but would you say that some of it is part like we're assuming average we're assuming the fitness level is somewhat the same on these right that's why we take from the world so let's take a world record clean and jerk mm-hmm. for a guy and a girl in similar weight like the yep. the heavyweights right mm-hmm. or the next one down or the lightweights so you know yeah. you can't obviously do weight wise yeah and then let's do the same thing for um 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 crew crew athletes you know rowing mm-hmm. and you take the world class 2k times for males and females, and that's where you find the discrepancy. Yeah. But there's so many different variables in our sport that, you know, Kelly might be a better it, rower relative it, 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 to it, it, Doug it, from the first question. There are enough things that aren't perfect, yeah. but there is a way that we've kind of like um, found the right spots. So you'll mm-hmm. also find that girls will beat guys, average, same fit level of fitness, they're going to beat guys in wall balls and in box jumps. Reason is... I- they don't need to travel as far. Girls have to shoot to a nine-foot target. So just the time, mm-hmm. literally the time the ball has to float in the air and travel up to the 10 versus the nine, it'd be like running 180 meters versus running 200 meters. Yep. And same thing with the box jump. Just literally the time, not the fitness level, the height of the athlete, but the time it takes to get on a 20-inch box versus get on a 24, that's where it goes. So here's a little, if you're on a team with mixed genders, have the girl, obviously fitness level matters here and capacities and all the rest, but if the entire team is equally skilled, girls should do more. Girls should always do more box jumps and wall balls. Mm-hmm. Guys, if it's for meters, should always do more uh, machine work. We'll get right back to the show in just a minute, but first, a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week, Blinkist. Have you ever walked into a bookstore and thought, I have to quit my entire life so I have time for everything I want to read. Just me? Well, Blinkist to the rescue. Blinkist is an app that gives you access to the biggest, most impactful ideas inside over 5,500 books across 27 different categories. In just 15 minutes per blink in both text and audio, you can get right to the heart of some of the biggest nonfiction books out there, including books we always recommend here on the show, like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, The Inner Game of Tennis, and Atomic Habits. The big ideas you need to level up are out there, my friends, and Blinkist gives you immediate access to them without first demanding you quit your job or build a cabin in the woods or throw your cell phone in the river. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for you. Go to Blinkist.com slash excellence to start your seven-day free trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. For a limited time, you can even use Blinkist Connect to share that premium account, basically getting you two premium subscriptions for the price of one. Again, that's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash excellence to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. If a master's athlete doesn't have any fellow competitors in their gym, is there a way to adequately benchmark themselves and their progress against athletes who are in their 20s or 30s? So if the master's athlete is in the younger age group, probably not Mm -hmm. because they're going to do such similar weights, loads, movements, and all the rest. Um, If they're an older one, the answer is really, the answer is no, you Mm -hmm. can't. Um, 
even with the scaled movements, chances are that just the, the total capacity that those younger athletes have, again, fitness level kind of being like the same relative to the cohorts. Yep. Um, so meaning you have a, an individual athlete in their 20s that's finishing 10th in the world and you have a master's athlete that's finishing 10th in the world. The times are not going to be comparable, yep. even including all of the different scaling options, and everything else. It can be close. And that's what we try to do with the scaling options that we do in comp train. Now, here would be my actual answer to this is this is the reason we created the age groups in our program. Mm -hmm. So we, we, you might not even know this, but if you're a master's athlete on our program and you don't override it, you're automatically put into the master's group and the people on your leaderboard are master's athletes. That's the person. Now, um, we might change that going forward to where you're part of the major master leaderboard, but as it stands right now, you're a part of the masters and you compete with them. And that's why we did that. Mm-hmm. So that you're competing against your cohort. Mm-hmm. So we recognize that a lot of the people out there following this level of programming don't have a bunch of people to, in their gym that are doing the same thing. So we're creating this virtual platform so that you can benchmark against other people in your age division at your ability level. Does it, yeah, because does it make a difference to benchmark against people who aren't at your age level at that point? No, what he's trying to say though, Franz is trying to say, is I want to know, I want to know how I'm doing. Every day I want to know like if I'm, um, if I'm uh, just behind these people, if I'm way behind these people, Mm -hmm. if I'm just ahead of the, should like, it's nice to know that. Mm -hmm. Especially as you're, you know, people say like never compare. Uh, yes, comparison is the thief of all joy. Got that. But without any comparisons at all, and if you were in a vacuum, you'd have no idea what human potential is capable of. Yep. If you were like, literally you had never seen, you, you were born, you were put in a room or you put in a, a training facility and you grew up in a training facility, never interacting with another human being, you might think that a seven minute mile is at the, is at the peak of human potential. Mm-hmm. Right when, but the second you start to look around, you go, "Oh my gosh, that's kind of average for a a, a normal high schooler, let alone a a track athlete, Mm -hmm. let alone somebody actually competes at the Olympics that's doing this now in three minutes and forty seconds, like literally halving your time." Because that's the reason for comparison is to let you know where you sit. Yeah, what's possible exactly. What are your strengths and weaknesses? Yep. You'd also have no idea of strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. if you didn't compare to other people. So that's that double-edged sword of of, of comparison. It can um, be- Just a, not letting it eat you up. Yeah, you have to do it. You have to use it analytically for the appropriate purposes. Yep. But once it becomes emotional, that's where you have to check yourself a little bit. Appropriate purposes. That was good enunciation there. Did I say that? Appropriate purposes. Did I say appropriate purposes? Yeah. Wow. I, really well. I, I blacked out for a minute. <laughs> It's like uh, Will Ferrell in old. Is it old school where he does Anchorman? No, where he does the he does. How the, now, brown cow? No, you I think eat, it's old school where he like gives the whole thing at the. Oh yeah, that is old school. Yeah, he's just. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. I blacked out. What do you recommend an athlete do if they want to do something like a Spartan beast? Completely change their programming? Add on to the usual comp train programming? I actually took your spot out of Spartan Beast. Did you? Because the year before, I took Dave Hamill's spot. You couldn't Same go, thing. and I took your spot ah, without any training. I actually took his passport and checked in. Is that I'm Did like you? I'm like this is fraudulent. Identity, like, identity, identity fraud. Yeah, amazing. Step one is make sure you're someone else. Okay, 
um, training for a Spartan Beast or something of the like, uh, just for clarity of what that, that Spartan Beast is a beast. It's uh, um, so it's that's the 13 mile one. Is that correct? They say it's 13, but it's more. Yeah, so it's 13 to 18 miles with multiple things as well. Okay, here's um, should you follow comp train programming or something else? Um, I for sure think that the comp train programming would be a phenomenal way to get yourself incredibly prepared. Dot dot dot. You gotta do a little extra. Uh, it's not even running. You gotta do a, rocking. You gotta do a little extra if you can find yourself a hill and go up and down the hill a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's all just dependent on where this Spartan is. We did it at Killington, which is the mountain the, in Vermont. It's the mountain in Vermont. It's a home of the original Spartan, um, and you go up and down the mountain a, a gazillion times. Mm-hmm. It's all ups and downs. It's actually very little true running and the running parts are not challenging because they're in 200 meter sections on flat little trails so Mm -hmm. the running part isn't the challenge it's the continuing to go up and down that is more challenging and then the comp train you're going to crush the obstacles Mm -hmm. um i would say if you are looking to compete in this that might be a little bit different if you're going to look to compete in this my first suggestion would actually be to go and work with a spartan coach They'll tell you all of the hacks to all of the um, obstacles. So if you're trying to get over a wall, there's a certain way that you do it by putting that um, you take the outside leg and swing it to the inside and um, yeah. so on. But um, the, the participating, participating like competing to complete. Yeah. Or... If you want to compete to, uh, to complete, yeah, comp train with a little on. Uh, basically, my suggestion would be comp train and then one day a week go to the biggest hill in your town and go up and down it for 90 minutes without mm-hmm. stopping mm-hmm. and then if you get good at that okay then every 20 minutes um hold something in like a bear hug in front of you and go up and down that again for 10 minutes drop it and kind of rinse wash repeat still for an hour and a half to two hours yeah if you don't have a hill find some stairs yeah love it yeah find the biggest building that you have I am a police officer and frequently encounter intense situations that are both mentally and physically demanding. Do you have any specific insights from coaching elite athletes regarding mindset and self-talk during these intense situations, whether competitive or otherwise? Mm. This is Bruce Willis. Yeah. (laughs) Bruce Willis wasn't the cop. Bruce Willis was the, um, in Die Hard, Bruce Willis was the, the everyday guy. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Yeah, great. Well, I don't know why. Like when I hear when I hear Bruce Willis, I immediately go to Die Hard. It's not. It's not that Bruce Willis. Oh, it's not that Bruce Willis. It's it's, it's the one where he's a cop. No, it's a different Bruce Willis. Oh, it's not even the actor. No. It's just, oh, no, it's weird. Just, other people can be named Bruce Willis. You have expanded my <laughs> my mindset. Uh, okay, so stressful situations, um, both physically and mentally. What mm-hmm. are the the tools? What are the tactics? What are the it's kind of the coaching points on how to um, approach those first, first off is, um, strangely enough, it's the physical, like you, you have to have the physical, if this is a physically demanding, like you still see, you have to wrestle a perpetrator to the ground. If you're not strong, your mind's going to go haywire. If you can't physically handle Mm -hmm. this, um, you need the physicality. You need to become more formidable, you can become healthier, stronger, and harder to kill. That's what this program is all about. Now, I should say all about, founded on. But the second part of this is exactly what he's asking, which is how can I handle these situations with more 
um, resiliency, more calm, um, be able to um, not let them rattle me, not get distracted, not become so fearful. Mm-hmm. Just like the the strength training, it takes practice. And what can happen is in this line of profession or in um, the elite levels of fitness, if you're just thrown into that situation, well, that's the deep end and you don't know how to swim. That's very overwhelming and challenging. The best thing to do is use every day moments that you can handle and are not life and death to practice this. Mm-hmm. And that is, if you think of the the mind being in one of three states, and this is actually alpha, beta, and gamma. It's actually, you can see this on your, on a, on a, on a scan. This is not esoteric. This is not something spiritual. This is your, the way your brain works. Where a lot of us go in stressful situations is your mind goes into a fragmented place where you're, um, there's fear and anxiety or doubt or um, um, regret or guilt or shame or embarrassment or any one of those things that kind of make your mind go all over the place. That is a really detrimental place to be, particularly if you need peak performance. Mm-hmm. You cannot have an ultimate performance in that state. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. So what we want to be able to do is to move out of that. The, the way to move out of a fragmented mind, a scattered mind, is to focus. And this is um, where like meditation practice comes in, but it really is just about you narrowing the distractions to focus on one thing. This is why people talk about focus on your breath. Because if you focus on your breath, you're focusing on one thing, it's it's just better than focusing on a gazillion different things, yeah. right? All these different things that could go wrong or something else. Just focus on the one thing. And then focus leads to flow. So think of those three states. There are the three Fs. Fragmented, focused, and flow. Good. Three Fs, three by three. Ha, that's my framework. So, <laughs> I, um, what we want to be able to do is the the practices in everyday life. Recognize where are you. Mm-hmm. That's what the, that's what the practice is. And you start with the little small things, right? Like um, while you're listening to this podcast, or like you're driving to work and you're a little bit late, and you're you, the light starts to change from green to yellow, and you're planning on sort of running that red a little bit. But the car in front of you stops. You're like, ah, right? Okay, that's you being distracted a little bit, fragmented. Mm-hmm. Like, can you pull yourself back to center? Okay, um, maybe a little bit bigger of a thing is. Um, when you go and make that quick little stop, you spill coffee on yourself. Now you're late for work and you have a big coffee stain in your lap. That's a bigger thing. Can you, but can you pull yourself back from being distracted? And you know, you're distracted when you're storytelling, Mm -hmm. when you're going, creating extra meaning to the moment. The reality is you missed the light and coffee spilled on you. Okay. Now what your mind's going to want to do is go like, oh my gosh, now my boss is going to be pissed and we're going to have this cock and I'm going to imagine myself walking in with this big stain on me and people are going to be embarrassed and that's all the fragments in mind. Can you get back to focus? Mm-hmm. If you can't do anything else, this is where like it's so popular now and it's focus on your breath. Now it's so cliche at this point, I hate even saying it, but it is the thing that's always there 
And that's why people like it. No matter where you are in what scenario, what situation, no matter how chaotic or what it might be, there's always, you can always, always focus on your breath. And remember, so the, the exit point for a fragmented mind is to focus. Single pointed intention is a much more productive mind. So when you feel yourself getting all the place, just focus on one thing. I don't care if it's focusing on focusing on your hands and the way your hands feel. I don't care if it's focusing on uh, a candle flickering. It doesn't matter if it's focusing on... External sound. Or... It do, yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what it is. Focus on something. Mm-hmm. But the reason people like breath is because you can't. it's always going to be there. And then focus leads to flow. It's the gateway to ultimate performance. So this officer or our elite athletes, if we want to get in the zone, which is a flow state where your best can literally flow out of you, Mm -hmm. we need to start by being focused and not distracted. Mm -hmm. It's cool. You start to see like almost every NFL quarterback on the sideline in between. They're just... Yeah. They're doing like breath exercises. A lot of professional athletes are starting to do that in situations that are pretty nuts. Um, Not as nuts as those, but. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. But first, a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week, Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you do not. It's been formulated to help everyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, paleo, or watermelon diet. Just kidding. Don't do the watermelon diet. I start every single day with some Element. My personal favorite is their citrus salt flavor, but I will happily grab whichever flavor I can get my hands on. If you watch the show on YouTube, you have likely seen that Ben and I are never far from our bottles of water. Ben's is almost always filled with Element, and mine is almost always filled with tequila. Just kidding, maybe. Element is used by NBA, NFL, NHL players, Olympic athletes, podcast hosts, and people just like you. Right now, you can get yourself a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packs free with any Element order. A great way to taste all eight flavors before you empty your retirement account to fill your house with your favorite. Just head to drinkelement.com slash excellence to get the deal. Again, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash excellence. My friends and I were recently debating what makes someone competitive. I say we qualify. We do five to six wads per week with one to two runs per week. They say we are not that competitive and it is reserved for games type people. Who's so right? that pause was, you did air quotes. People maybe aren't watching this. So competitive. Oh, they say that we are not that competitive. Yeah. Who is right? Who's right? You both are. You asking the question, are the competitor? They are not. Mm-hmm. Why is that, Dan? Competitors mindset? Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. If if you believe you're a competitor, it doesn't matter how often you train, it doesn't matter if you jump into a competition, it doesn't matter. It's a it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Are you here to do more than just training hard? That's what a competitor is. Mm-hmm. A competitor is I you can force some of this goes back to that um I, uh, Kara Lawson, I think her name is the, she's the, um, coach of women's Duke basketball. Yeah. Awesome. She has this really cool, essentially mantra, which is you can get someone to work hard. I can force you to train five or six days a week for an hour. I can force you to do Fran. I can force you to do extra accessory work. I can force you to go on extra few runs every week. Mm -hmm. I can force you to work hard. 
And that goes not just in training, but I could force you to work hard in your profession. I could force you to work hard if you're a kid um, doing chores. Mm -hmm. I can't force anyone to compete because a competitor is a mindset. It's something where you go like, I'm clicked in, I'm ready to go, I want this, and I know this is something bigger than checking the boxes. Mm -hmm. It's a mindset. Yeah, it's not an outcome. Exactly right. Yeah. Do elite athletes have injuries? How, as a coach, do you manage big ones, torn something or other? I hate when I tear my something or other. That's a pain. It's a long work. Man. Oh, I've only torn my something or other once. <laughs> once. You can't, you can't untear it. And <laughs> how do you manage big ones, torn something or other, and little aches and pains, maybe a pulled muscle or tear that does not require surgery? Do you hit a point in the competitive season where it's go time and no matter what, the athlete has to train slash compete through an injury? So basically, how do you manage big injuries to little aches and pains? And is there a point where you just have to suck it up? Okay. Um, the first question was, yeah, do elite so athletes have injuries? So the answer is yes. Yeah. yeah let's break this thing down. Yeah. Let's do it that way. Yes, they do. Yes. Okay. <laughs> What's the next one? Because there's a lot of pieces to this. How, as a coach, do you manage big injuries and let's, let's do that one. Yep. Uh, so the big ones is we will, it's, it's, it depends on how big, but, um, it's really good to know what you're dealing with. The, um, humans hate uncertainty. Yep. So we need to know what the issue is. Do you actually have a torn rotator cuff or is this just like a, um, a sprain, um, joint? So it's something that we can just kind of work through. So we need to know if we're working through something is going to cause further damage. So, yep. Truly, like the answer to that is like get a medical yeah. diagnosis. It's, yeah, it's kind of out of our jurisdiction. Yeah, and in if a it's way. so big, you don't you don't train through. Mm, yeah, you know, I mean, you know the answers, but you don't you don't set no steps back is mm -hmm. the rule. Like no steps back, and as competitive athletes, elite athletes, we need to be taking steps forward. So we mm -hmm. are always going to train around everything. Yep. Uh, I think the last piece was, is it ever like, screw it, it's go time? The answer to that is, it is never that until three, two, one go of the competition. Yep. That's the only time you ever actually need to say, screw it, I'm doing it. Other than that, you're going to just take steps back and we can't have that. So we're always going to take any sort of injury, small, medium, or big into consideration, no matter what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The little yeah. aches and pains are just kind of like a and little a aches and trigger. pains are a part of the. It's a, yeah. they're a part of the. They're a part of the program. Like they feel it. Uh, the elite athletes, if you think you have them, they have them like times ten, yeah. because they are training times ten of what you are. They don't mm -hmm. go away at that level. Um, they just get. <laughs> I mean, I can say it because they're they're tougher than me. Like they can deal with it better. Yeah, but also recovery is like a full time job in a way. They're, this is what they do as a full time basis. Yeah. They're. There, it's the reason that we don't train as hard as them is because we don't recover as hard as them. Yep. You mentioned in a previous episode that concurrent training works, especially for a sport like CrossFit. Great segue. But I'm not sure I understand what that means. Can you explain what concurrent training is referring to, how it's different, and why you program that way? Yeah. So concurrent training means that you're trying to lift um, all aspects of our sport up at the same time. Three-headed monster. Three-headed monster, exactly right. So strength, conditioning, and skills all going up together. What would not concurrent training be? It would be what people do a lot in 
train for our sport is let's spend the early part of the year getting much stronger and then we'll use the time before competition to really bring up our fitness and so on. Mm -hmm. The idea behind concurrent training. So here's why working current training does not work. And this is where it came in vogue because concurrent training, did I describe what it is enough? You're trying to bring everything up at once. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Okay. Here's where it does not work well. And this is why um, it's come into to vogue is if you're trying to be um, elite world-class at a singular endeavor, mm -hmm. meaning if you're trying to get lower than a 230 marathon, you trying to also increase your back squat is not going to help your marathon run. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to deadlift a thousand pounds, you trying to also improve your 5k is going to be detrimental to that endeavor. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you need to go all in and not do concurrent. You need to just do this specific singular thing. But in our sport where we're trying to get to, let's say like a 500 pound deadlift or um, we're trying to get to a sub 19 minute 5k. Those are relatively pedestrian numbers in that Compared to the in that case yeah. concurrent could is is very very effective and actually doing the opposite is more detrimental mm -hmm. because you're missing the adaptations on both ends that could be happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now the reason it's come really popular in our space is cuz it's easier like if you want to get a 500 pound deadlift, it's easier to just focus on your dead and not worry about your running. Mm -hmm. And your dead will go up faster, but your running will suffer big time. Mm -hmm. And by the time you bring your running back up, your deadlift's going to go. Your deadlift's going to, you're playing the seesaw game. Concurrent training, if you're not trying to be at the, I would call it, I'm just going to throw a number out there, 85% of the world class numbers, mm -hmm. concurrent training works. Yep. Like bring up all up together. Mm -hmm. It's though it is the foundation of our programming. It is the constant ready state. No matter what time of year it is, you can jump into a competition because you have that three-headed monster. You yep. have skills. You have strength. You have um, um, conditioning all the time, and that we're trying to bring all of those up together. Yeah, constant ready state. Constant ready state. Love it. What's the opposite of a seesaw? It's not seesaw back and forth. It's a kids. Comment down below. What's the opposite of a seesaw? I'm thinking of a playground, not a slide. It's like a slide that goes up, though. I have. I feel like I just blacked out. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a ladder. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I hope you liked that little glimpse into the comp train three by three. If you would like to get a question into that show, if you have a question about athletic performance, mental resiliency, please head over to the comp train YouTube channel and drop a comment below any one of the episodes of the three by three. That's the best, fastest way to get a question into the queue. You of course can send me the question. I'm happy to pass it along. Find me on Instagram at PS Cummings. And while you're there, if you have any questions about the five factors or health or topics that we often discuss here on the show, send them to me. I love them. I will add them to a future episode. I promise you, if you are not yet subscribed, wherever you are listening or watching this, please do. That will ensure you do not miss another episode. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence.